This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll and is from Epiphany 2017. Everybody loves a good mystery, especially that reveal moment when everything clicks and the story becomes electrified. And when we watch or read a mystery, we're so anxious to know who done it, how does it end? And the author does not intend to keep us in suspense forever. I mean, indeed, the author plans to let us know. That's the whole point of the mystery, is that eventually the mystery is revealed. Mystery leads to revelation. And in the story of God, our burning question is, who is God? What is he like? And is he for me? Is he for us? Is he on our side? And like any good mystery writer, God does not intend to keep us in the dark. He plans, as scriptures so poetically say, in the fullness of time to reveal this mystery. And he does it by coming himself, taking on human nature. And God the Father sends his son, God the Son, Jesus, to answer that question and reveal the mystery finally and fully and once for all. Who are you, God, and are you for us? Jesus is the answer. And yes, he is for us. We have everything that we need to know of who God is when we look into the face of Jesus Christ. And every week at worship, we're renewed in this mystery through the sacraments and the reading of Scripture. God is continually revealing Jesus to us. And indeed, the word sacrament comes from the Latin translation of the Greek word musterion, which means mystery. And we draw near. And when God reveals this mystery, he continually remakes and renews us, shows us who he is, and we delight in that aha moment, like when we read the mystery and it's all revealed. So we draw near with joy and with thanksgiving to God who is the revealer of mysteries. I love the story of Daniel when he goes to Nebuchadnezzar the king uh, because the king had a dream that he could not interpret and the, the other wise men could not interpret. And he says, Daniel... You can interpret this dream. And Daniel says, no, not I, but there is a God in heaven who is a revealer of mysteries. And I love that title for God, revealer of mysteries. And we find out today that God is especially a revealer of mystery to those who seek him, to those who worship him. Let me say that again. God reveals his mysteries to those who set their hearts to worship him. And indeed, worship reveals God. When we seek God and set our hearts towards him, he responds to us and he reveals the mystery of who he is further. I love in in Jeremiah, he says to the prophet in Jeremiah 33, he says, call to me. It's an invitation. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. We worship God, the revealer of mysteries. Today is the feast of the epiphany, and epiphany is a word that means revelation. It reminds us that there is a mystery that was once veiled that now is a mystery revealed. Something that was hidden in the mind of God is now being openly shown in the story of God for all the world to see. And the particular mystery that is revealed that we celebrate on this feast day, one of those reveal moments Paul talks about in Ephesians 3, which even though we didn't read it this morning, is in our our lectionary. It's 
our epistle reading for this morning. So I'll read just a little bit for you. Paul's writing and he says, as you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. There he uses that language of mystery, which was not made known, was hidden to the sons of men in other generations, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, now he goes to define it, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Gentiles are fellow heirs, full heirs, fully participating. Earlier in Ephesians, he talks about the dividing wall of hostility that's been torn down, and he's referring to in the temple, there was literally a wall that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. So if the Gentiles wanted to come and worship God, they were continually reminded they're second class and cannot fully enter in. And yet, Paul says, now in Jesus Christ and by his cross, Jew and Gentile have become one. That dividing wall is torn down. Non-Jews, non-descendants of Abraham are full heirs and partakers of that promise that was made to Abraham and to Israel after him of the full blessing of God, indeed of the story of salvation for the whole world. And most especially, that great promise, I will be your God and you will be my people. So uh, today, because it's a feast day, uh, we do have the elementary students with us, so welcome, younger brothers and sisters, so glad you're here. Want an illustration to kind of help you understand a little bit what this is like. So just remember, what it's like to be at the lunch table and to pop open your lunchbox, hoping for something worthwhile, but yet again, it's PB&J or the same old what it's always been, and, and you're always glancing maybe sideways down the table at Susie Q, who's got, you know what, Lunchables, right? If you're like me, I had incredible Lunchable envy when I was uh, in elementary school. And it'd be like one day, all of a sudden, opening up that lunchbox and behold, Lunchables. And a little note from mom and dad says, hey, sweetie, just want you to know, from now on, it's Lunchables. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Except instead of Lunchables, it's eternal life. <laughs> Which is far more nutritious, among other things. <laughs> and for the big people in the room, this mystery being revealed once again, shows us something about the heart of God. Episode after episode after episode in the story of God, he's always showing, yes, he has wrath on sin and, and, and on disobedience, but the overarching story of the story of God is that he is merciful to those who do not deserve it. And that those who are far off, he calls near in Jesus Christ. His heart is the heart of mercy. His heart is a heart to take things that are separated and disparate from each other and unite them together in his son, Jesus Christ. It means that anyone who desires may drink of the water of life. And that's the work of Jesus Christ. Now the church has always on the Feast of the Epiphany read the story of the Magi coming to worship Jesus because in the Magi, these non-Jews who are seeking the king of the Jews, 
which you'll notice they say when they show up, Where, where's the king of the Jews? That's a phrase that doesn't come uh, back in the, in the Gospel of Matthew until the cross, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and there's a sign that says king of the Jews, which was put there by a Gentile, also Pilate, just by the way. They say, where is this king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. So these non-Jews have come to worship the king of the Jews. And because of that, the church has seen in them the symbol for all Gentile believers who are truly seeking the true and living God, who are worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it is interesting to note, isn't it, that what is it that unites humanity? What is the only thing that is able to unite humanity? What brings the Gentiles at last into the story of Abraham? The worship of Jesus. They've come to worship Jesus. The Magi were seeking something. They were seeking the glory of God. They traveled probably over a thousand miles if they came from Persia, which is what most scholars assume they came from somewhere in the region of Persia. Over a thousand miles they traveled, uncertain at the outset of their journey that they would have any success, but they were going nonetheless. And the reward for their risk, what did they receive as a reward? They saw the glory of God. Those who were seeking to worship him were rewarded with the glory of God. Most especially, they saw the face of God. Now just as a reminder of how special that is, recall for a moment the story in Exodus when Moses is talking with God. And he's saying, okay God, if you have chosen me to lead your people through this desert into the promised land, if you're calling me to this ridiculous task, then at least do this for me. Show me your glory. He pleads with God, show me your glory. And God says, I will. I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you and I will proclaim my name. Yet, you cannot see my face. So I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and after my face has passed by, I will remove my hand and you may see my back. But my face you shall not see for no man shall see my face and live, he says. No one can see the face of God and live, and yet now the Magi have seen the face of God. That's that aha moment. Paul talks about it later in Corinthians when he says, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, refer reference to the creation of the world. The same God who said, let there be light, has now shown in our hearts giving the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That glory that Moses wanted to see but couldn't see the fullness of, now God has revealed in the face of Jesus. And the Magi got to see it. Let's not miss it. Let us also seek the glory of God because Herod and all of Jerusalem stands as a warning to us we might think that in this story we're more like the Gentiles because most of us in here are Gentiles. We're more like the Magi, but actually because we are the religious people, we have to understand that there's a way in which we are like Herod in Jerusalem. And there's a complacency and an apathy and a presumption that 
can set in if we are not guarded against it. Do you want to know how far away Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Six miles. That's close. You could ride your bike there or donkey in those days. The Magi traveled over a thousand miles and Herod and all of Jerusalem did not go even six miles when they heard the report that the Messiah had been born. That'd be like if Jesus had been born in Warrenville and we were too busy to go and see. Now we have uh, an important season coming up in the life of our church. It's something that Stuart's going to speak to uh, during the announcements today and you'll hear more about it in the weeks to come. As I was in prayer in preparation for this sermon, I felt a strong conviction that part of what God wants to do is he wants to prepare us as a church to walk through this coming season together. And that we will do that if we begin by renewing our heart to worship. By seeking again that heart of adoration. Uh, you know, uh, this is more than just musical worship. Really, it speaks to that initial posture of the heart that falls down before Jesus and adores him. In Western art, when we see the Magi depicted with Jesus in painting or, or other places, oftentimes it is called the adoration of the Magi. And I love that word for worship, adoration, because it speaks to that humble bowing down, that cherishing adoring Jesus above all else. I believe God is calling us to a season of renewed adoration, a renewed season of seeking the face of God. In the story today, we see that the Magi go into the house, they see Jesus with his mother, and they fall down and worship. And that's exactly what we are supposed to do. We are to come into the house of God. We are to behold the Lord Jesus, and we are to fall down and worship. What does it mean to fall down? My family could tell you a lot about what it means to fall down because I'm fairly clumsy and I do it quite often. But this has a different meaning. To fall down means to humble ourselves before God. To fall down and worship means to be totally surrendered, hearts soft, Hearts open, ready to obey, submitted to God's will, seeking his will above our own. And it also means to seek him with that same joy and enthusiasm of the Magi. And Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, yes, we want to hear the warning about Herod and Jerusalem, but also let's be reminded that there is a reward in store. Hebrews 11.6 says, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So I wonder what hidden mysteries might be revealed when we set our hearts to worship God in this coming season. What signs and wonders will we see here at resurrection in our day and in our time? Let's have the courage and the faith to hope and to long for signs and wonders, to ask for the things that seem too big to ask for. The Magi had a sign and a wonder. It was a star. And when they saw it, it led them to the Lord, and they rejoiced with exuberating jubilance and exceedingly joy. Right? Did you catch that part? Much joy at the seeing of the star. What signs and wonders is God wanting to reveal in our midst that will also likewise give us that wonder and joy, but more than that, also mean the drawing in of the world to himself. 
What healings is he wanting to pour forth? What answers to prayer that right now we, we don't feel the strength of faith to even ask for? What good things is he wanting to bestow? And even more than miracles and signs and wonders, even more than that, I do believe that when we humble ourselves and set our hearts once again to worship the Lord, he gives us the greatest gift of all, the revelation of his love. The revelation of his love. I think sometimes it's elusive for us. What does it mean to love God? We feel like we have to try to do that. But you know, it's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. But when he ministers with directness, his love for you, then you don't have to try. It's the most natural thing to respond in love for the Lord. And that's what he wants to give us. He wants to reveal his love for us. He wants to reveal his love to us. That's the greatest mystery revealed. What is the mystery of the gospel? Ultimately, it is that God does love you. He really does love you. He loves us. And even when we were cut off by our sin and rebellion, we were aliens, strangers, outsiders, Gentiles. He brought us near by the blood of Christ. So let us draw near, and in this season, let us seek the Lord with a renewed heart for adoration. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.